Welcome to A Dying Podcast. My name is Nils. Today I'm at home in my home studio slash bedroom <laughs> with Stefan Ekvall. Good to have you here. Super nice to be here. Yeah. yeah. You've been sort of in the periphery of my social circles mm. for a while. And I've been, you know, I wouldn't say keeping an eye on you. That sounds weird. But but I've, I've been aware of you and... and um, uh, you've been posting a lot of interesting stuff on social media lately. So I thought now is the perfect time to sit down with this guy and yeah. get to know him a bit better and and learn about what you're what you're into, what you're passionate about. Mm. But we before we go there, I always ask the question uh, that you get to answer in any way you see fit. Who is Stefan? Yeah. So, uh, well, again, thanks for being here. And likewise, you've been in my periphery as well. And I've had my eyes on you <laughs> like, in a, a non-creepy way. <laughs> circling each other. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, it's, that's a very difficult question to answer, of course. So I'll try to uh, keep it short. But um, um, for the past 10 years, I've been working a lot with um, leading change. Um, so helping people and organizations transition into uh, a new world that is emerging and in doing so, uh, hopefully walk the talk and live as I learn, uh, but mostly learn about uh, this stuff and learn about making sense of what's going on. So, um, and it all started about 10 years ago, uh, kind of exactly. I, I turned 40 this year. So when I was, when I was 30, I burned out. I did the classic route, which, uh, more and more people are doing. Uh, and quite young at the time, and uh, we see from uh, from statistics that it's uh, going down in age, at least in Sweden and Scandinavia. So uh, it was a very hard-earned lesson, but uh, it forced me to uh, ask the difficult questions like, who am I? Uh, what are my personal values? What is meaningful to me or the world even? And, and also deeply existential questions like, why am I here? Uh, what is life? What is death? And what the hell's going on, right? So I've been on this journey now for 10 years, trying to make sense of this and still am, of course, uh, because it's super difficult. And it's but, never ending. <laughs> uh, yeah, the rabbit hole goes deeper. <laughs> Just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, but originally, if we like, uh, push the time arrow a little bit further back, so grew up in a small town, uh, Nortelje, uh, north of Stockholm. Uh, always been a high achiever, so I, that's one part of the reasons I burnt out. Mm -hmm. uh, I got my master's in Uppsala in uh, business and organizational management. And um, yeah, I, would, I lived the classical story of what is success and a good life until uh, reality hit my face really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, story. I should mention we're drinking tea, so there might be tea noises. That's yes. why you might hear that. I'm curious. Um, when that journey started, because like you're saying, it's getting increasingly common with people burning out or getting, you know, um, chronic fatigue and all of these mm -hmm. um, things that can happen. And just in my circle, it seems like it's happening all over the place. And it, yeah. tends, it seems to be the case in many places on, on the planet right now. Obviously, you got out of that and you're now on a really interesting journey. But just that starting point, like, how do you now in hindsight see that you actually came out of that? Did you, how could you find your path out of the burnout? Yeah, I think your name of the podcast uh, sums it up pretty well. Uh, a part of me had to die in order to get there. And that is a very painful uh, transition. 
um, because um, my identity was very strongly attached to the ideas of success and achievement that I had uh, downloaded from society and never questioned, basically. So the first realization was that, oh, wow, it's, these are not my values. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, how the fuck do I get out of this? <laughs> because I had like habitual patterns like really worked um, that were functioning strategies up until that point that I need to, needed to throw out and then try something completely different. So on that journey, um, I started practicing. Well, actually, I got uh, rehabilitation uh, help from, from the um, healthcare system, which was really top notch. Um, it's called mindfulness based stress reduction, which is an evidence based theory, uh, which has very strong evidence from the 80s, where you do group therapy in cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, to uh, become aware of the different kinds of uh, patterns that you have in your behavior and do that in a group and realize, okay, I'm not the only one uh, doing stupid things to myself. And then mindfulness training, which is a way of uh, reconnecting with the body. So uh, for many years, I had like pushed away uh, painful, uh, emotional and physical feelings like of stress because I didn't want to encounter them or deal with them. So this helped like during a 10 week period, um, I started uh, asking the right questions and also started practicing mindfulness, which was coming back to my body. And uh, it was both hallelujah and very painful because uh, I had to deal with all of those emotions and uh, sensations. So, uh, but I've been practicing ever since. Uh, and like, if, People ask me, like, what's the one single thing you've done that uh, pushed you in the right direction? It's probably uh, mindfulness training. Yeah, that seems to be. I, I personally, I haven't been burned out, but uh, I've gone through similar processes of having to let go of a previous identity. Yes. Uh, once I understood it's not, it's definitely not me and mm -hmm. it's actually not doing me good things. Yeah. Um, and mindfulness is definitely something that works, I think, in in most settings. I would say so. And it's a way to become aware of your monkey brain who keeps telling you uh, you're not good enough or you should do this or that or what if you don't do this then catastrophe will happen and realize that well there might be grains of truth in that but it's my choice whether I want to listen to those thoughts or not. Yeah. Uh, and that gives uh, paradoxically that gives more agency to you. Yeah, <laughs> like being in the body and just being aware of all of the thoughts, emotions, signals within you and also outside of you. Uh, from a meta perspective, you become more intelligent. You are cognitively more complex in a sense and you are becoming a better decision maker. So in a way, it's super simple in theory. And then you have to start doing the work and practicing it, uh, which is, I mean, if you've been in burnout as I was and everyone gets a uh, bit different kinds of symptom, symptoms. And for me, it was a lot of uh, anxiety or panic attacks. Like my heart would start racing without uh, reason. Uh, and in hindsight, I've understood that it was perfectly rational response from my body's point of view. Like my body thought that a lion or a tiger was attacking me because I was drenched in adrenaline and cortisol, right? <laughs> so what happens? Well, the, the heart kicks, starts kicking in and uh, racing. Um, so... It was a very, it was like a boot camp, military boot camp in mindfulness, like sitting, being in my body and just breathing whilst having a panic attack. 
<laughs> so that will get you places. <laughs> yes, it did. And that taught me the lesson. Like, okay, if I can deal with this and just breathe through a panic attack, then I can do anything. Yeah. Uh, so um, I've continued doing it. And uh, I haven't came, come close even to burnout again uh, after this. So uh, I'm very grateful for that experience and learning. I think there's also something, or there's definitely something to your point you 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 phrased nicely earlier that was both hallelujah and, and sort of terrible at yeah. the same time that is sort of to me that's sort of the core of transformation that mm-hmm. you come up to a pain point it could be in an organization or in your own personal life and you go through that pain point and on the other side that's where you find the hallelujah because yes. just a lot of stuff just releases yes. but going through it will always hurt like hell yeah it's always fucking painful yeah and a part of you doesn't want to do it. No. You're always like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that thing. I'm not facing that fear. I'm not mm-hmm. talking to that person or, you know, or, opening that wound again. Or that's not for me. Oh yeah. Finding yeah. stories. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not for me. Yeah. I'm too good for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, that is something we need to learn because it's, you know, it is work. That's really what it is. Yeah. And whether it comes through a burnout or as in my case, you know, not a burnout, but just emotional turmoil and understanding things and understanding that I wouldn't say I've been living a lie, but I've been living without understanding what life is. Mm. And then once I start understanding it, I also see what I actually need to do in order to live life fully. Yeah. And that is to deal with a lot of painful stuff. Yeah. And it hurts. And going into it, it's like... Uh, it's terrible. It's always terrible. Uh, but then you, you know, you sort of breathe yourself out onto the other side. Mm -hmm. And and I think once the brain has done that a couple of times, it can start seeing a pattern. And that's when you can actually use your own thoughts, which tend to be a problem because Mm -hmm. they're constantly there and they're bombarding you (laughs) and, and they're never fully true thoughts have that problem that a word and thought can never fully be true uh, because it's inside um, existence trying to describe existence it becomes this weird mirror anyway but you can use your thoughts like that to remind yourself that you know i've done this before and it was equally painful last time but i know what happened on the other side Mm -hmm. and i know how much whole i felt and how much stronger and how how things that then were you know I was crumbling underneath these thoughts or this anxiety or that fear. And today those things are like, I can't even remember how I was once scared of Mm. X, whatever, whatever that be public speaking or being honest with my parents or spouse or or whatever. So it's, I think that's a nice reminder. Yeah. I think that that description uh, rings very true for me. It becomes almost like, cliche or trope like well growth is painful yeah (laughs) but i think it's a cliche for a reason i mean it's it is painful and everything in life is flows of energy and information and through that movement there will be growth and in growth will be pain Uh, and the experience and remembrance of that pain and having come through it uh i think it's an important reminder but I mean, you can look at a, a human being and we've all gone through phases of pain that we've forgotten when we were kids. Super painful to be born, probably. Yeah, that uh, seems like, yes, it was probably very painful for us, but we can't yes. remember it. And it's probably super painful to learn how to walk. 
super painful to follow rules and norms and learn to uh, not be an um, like self-centered uh, bastard, right? So, I mean, there is pain in all of that, but the older we get, the more we take it for granted. But then we think that, well, this thing that's happening to me right now, it's it's not fair. Like, what's, <laughs> life, what's life doing to me? <laughs> So I, I, I think, think that outside perspective is really, really important. Yeah, and something that comes up for me, so I've, I've already on this podcast spoken at length about um, the importance of pain uh, or anything that we would call negative or bad because without it, the good stuff can't exist. That, that polarity is sort of mm-hmm. the foundation of existence. Like if, if we can't compare the nice things to something that's not nice, we wouldn't perceive them as nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe in this, you know, process of of constant development and change where we go through sort of episodes of pain and then maybe not bliss sometimes bliss but at least now everything is good i'm feeling good and then the next pain point the next sort of transformation Mm -hmm. opportunity presents itself maybe that's also partly what's fueling it that you have the contrast so after pain you must always find something or feel something that feels really really nice because that will propel you forward Mm. um because you know we want that you otherwise why would we keep everything is changing and that's just the way it is but maybe it's also by design built into the system that we want to keep changing because Mm. as a pain point arises we want to move past that because we know on the other side we're we're feeling nice and that's actually what's fueling all this change yeah potentially i mean uh we can get like really quick like deeply existential philosophical yeah. here i'm fully <laughs> up for that let's <laughs> uh, just see how how far we can go and how early but yeah. but uh i've been thinking a lot about this and uh, i mean change is the only constant yeah and that's been true at least since the big bang up until this moment uh, we're talking to each other right so uh, this too shall pass is a really old proverb that I think is very true in yeah. like all the situations I've encountered. That's been true. I, I use that a lot, that sentence, yes. just for my own sake. And for me, um, uh, I use it both when I'm in bliss and when I'm in pain. So when I'm in bliss, it's a great reminder to uh, realize that this moment is truly sacred and to really uh, be there with my partner or with my friends or with myself or with this moment in nature or wherever I am. Like I make this moment sacred because it will pass. So it's my choice what I decide to do in that moment and how I decide to relate to whatever is going on. And it's equally true in pain. And then it's a relief, right? So this too shall pass. Right now, it's, it's everything sucks <laughs> and it might get suckier, but it will pass. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, and here is, I think, my optimism comes in as a like substrate of how I live my life. Yeah. Because and you even call yourself an optimist, like in the description of you on social. Yeah, I, I know you call myself a naive optimist, yeah. just like a little <laughs> uh, self uh, distance in there. But but sure, uh, I'm definitely optimist, and and it shows in the sense that whether or not life right now is subjectively good or bad, uh, it will pass, and I think that's uh, a good thing. Yeah. So well, that makes me an optimist. Yeah, it, that's good. And, and uh, to add to that, because I use that line of thinking too a lot, this too shall pass. But I've also started doing actively over the past couple of months is whenever I'm in pain whether it's emotional or physical, I, I work with gratitude. Mm. 
for that pain mm-hmm. because I, I thank the pain for being there so I can enjoy the good times. So this is like, okay, this is my reference point. Mm. Thank you for giving me this reference point. Wow. Um, that's been working really well for me. Okay, cool. Uh, it's kind of cool to be in, in, in pain <laughs> and be like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. It seems super difficult, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it, uh, try it out. Try it. Take, after a while, after, yeah. After a while, something, something happens. Mm-hmm. So, um, You've been at this journey for 10 years. Obviously, you've been at the journey for all your life, but there, it's interesting because my journey, my aware journey or conscious journey started five years ago. And there's, I, I do see that with a lot of people that you have like a starting point for, for this mm-hmm. journey. Obviously, it is your entire life, but mm-hmm. there comes like an intersection where you're like, okay, now uh, something, something really deep starts happening at least in hindsight when you start making sense of the story that you're living and connecting the dots Uh, i mean there are an infinite number of ways of doing so but but uh, i agree with you that there are some milestones that are probably more significant Uh, a friend of mine john henriksson which you who you also know i think uh, yeah he's the, really one of the uh, founders of self-leaders oh yeah, yeah who i worked with for seven years yeah no, um, who work with uh, self-leadership implementation in uh, organizations uh sweden and worldwide so and he, he talked on uh, burning man where we both went uh, this past week uh, about portals uh, and had a definition of portals that really uh ring true to me mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm, I haven't explored it enough to, to give it full like uh, depth yet, but um, the idea is that a portal is something that you're that you move through, which uh, changes uh, your point of view and also uh, how you um, act in the world. So it can be a piece of art, it can be a relationship, a human action. It can be uh, uh, an event like a burnout or a burn for that matter. Yep. Something that reorganizes you spiritually, cognitively, uh, and makes you act differently in the world. So that's a way of defining a portal. Wow. So, and that really clicked for me because it was one extra piece to the puzzle that I'm trying to map. Like, what is reality? And uh, in one sense, it seems to be an interconnected web of conscious agents uh, helping birth and emerge the reality from moment to moment, right? Uh, And uh, we're all in that sense, a portal. So we're like one metaphor or one way of looking at it could be like we are gravitational fields. And when you are like a moon or a planet or a sun or a galaxy and you start moving next to another uh, stellar body, you affect each other. And weird, amazing, dramatic, painful things happened uh, as such. And there are portals everywhere. Like everyone is a portal and art is portals and this podcast is a portal. Wow. So, so a lot of stuff popping in my head right now. Yeah, this, so, I don't know where this came from. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Is, yeah but this is great. Uh, so few things. So, so uh, first, I've been talking a lot about transformation loops, which is how I see progress and change. It's sort of the pain points that you come up against and then you, you sort of everything is running smoothly and you come up towards a pain point and you almost feel like you're taking two steps backwards, but you're actually just doing, I'm oh, drawing yeah. circles in my in air now. Um, and then you're moving through it and you feel like you've come to the next level with a new viewpoint on life and mm-hmm. then that keeps happening. That's one of the things. But also what you're talking about, the gravitational fields. I've This past week, I've had at least two conversations where I've spoken to people about 
uh, how you can look at yourself and other people as energy fields. Like mm-hmm. obviously, we're energy. Mm-hmm. Most things yeah. are, <laughs> and. Uh, when we have a relationship or interact with each other, then our energy fields interact yeah. with each other and then rub off on each other and, you know, yeah. will have an impact. So my field will change a bit because of your field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's, and, and once we go our separate ways, it doesn't mean that um, those energy fields instantly get separated. Like a part of your field has sort of, we now have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So which mean, it means you will impact me. And, it's like entanglement. Yeah. And the people you spend the most time with and where you have your deeper, deepest relationships will be most entangled mm-hmm. with you. But that's, that's also uh, one way to look at how when you are then apart for a long time or if you break up with a partner, for instance, mm-hmm. like the next day, you're still very much entangled. So it's super emotional and you're like, you, ha- you still have a connection even mm-hmm. if you just broke up. But then five years later, if you haven't seen each other, uh, that sort of the, uh, the remnants of your energy field in mind will have sort of slowly faded away. And that's mm-hmm. why when I think of that partner, I don't feel that emotional connection to the same extent mm-hmm. because sort of the energy has has faded out mm. of it it's, it's just interesting how you yeah. speak about basically the same thing but from a slightly different perspective yeah. I, th- i think that's the value in being human like the brain and language can cannot catch one truth no right? like we're different viewpoints into reality and that's why it's so amazing to explore together um yeah so i think that comes very close to the concept of holons that ken wilbur yeah. uh, talked about on your pod Um, uh, which also resonates strongly with me. Uh, and also, if you want to like get closer to this from a scientific perspective, um, I mean, there is this idea in the Western industrialized world that we are separated, rational individuals, right? And this is also what um, uh, me and Eric Fanholm, uh, who I work closely together with. Uh, 29K. That yes. I think I mentioned at this podcast. Yes. So we can explore that a little bit more, but we're writing a book in trying to debunk basically the myth that we are rational, separated individuals. That's good. Because that's definitely a myth. <laughs> it has zero Uh, evidence yeah. <laughs> uh, from uh, rational science, paradoxically. <laughs> you cannot prove you're separate. Entities. There is actually a lot of evidence that points strongly to what we just said, that we are, uh, it, it sounds like woo-woo if you're not initiated into yeah. the actual science, but we are more like uh, interconnected energy fields and we exchange a lot of energy all the time. And I mean, if you want to define energy real quickly without being woo-woo, uh, it's basically the capacity to do stuff. And that applies to a machine, and it applies to a particle, and it applies to a human. Like, if you're low on emotional energy in the morning, which we call motivation, then you will have a struggle to get out of bed, right? Mm. So there are different kinds of energy on many levels and in many systems, but the same principle applies. Uh, which uh, comes very close to my dear subject of health and uh, deep wealth and uh, more specifically like regenerative health. Like yeah. How can we create better uh, foundations for uh, increasing the flow of energy and information in all systems, like from the body to the mind, to the soul, in relationships, uh, in groups of people, in organizations, society and the ecosystem and beyond. Like that's my passion and I'm trying to figure out uh, how we can do that. And there are a lot of much smarter people than me who are building a lot of the foundations. And I would like to explore 
and make sense and build more from from that point yeah and i want to get into that but just a quick thing before we do that i think what's beautiful and really important is um your book the work you do there and what i see happening now in society is that you know spirituality and science is sort of starting to meet in a yes. sense because mm-hmm. in in all of my spiritual work like that truth that that everything is interrelated and and it's all energy and you could call it vibrations you could call it waves you could call it whatever um it's it's just like uh, it's obviously so true but for a lot of people that are not you know actively doing spiritual work or going deep into themselves in that way like to your point it sounds like woo it's like yeah yeah everything is one whatever But it's actually true. But we need science to prove it mm-hmm. for those people to actually start yeah. grasping it. And it's once I mean, once you start grasping it, that's a really important key to start creating change in society. Because yeah. then all of a sudden, like once again to your point, all of these imaginary walls between us just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it becomes so much easier to accept and to be present and to uh, to actually mm figure out life together and and a lot of fear goes out the door and just a lot of positive stuff happens yeah and that's a core uh entry point in in the book is to uh, make it purely evidence-based in everything yes uh, good so that's needed yeah and as one example uh we refer for instance to a sociologist called nicholas christakis He's done a super interesting study. Um, the, three degrees of uh, uh, yeah, influence. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it has it's randomized control control study, so it has very high scientific validity. They followed thousands of people for 30 years, and basically what they found was that there are no separated individuals who make rational choices. So um, uh, as one example, uh, they tracked like if people gained uh, weight, for instance. So if we were close friends and I would gain uh, 10 pounds of weight, uh, you would be 45% more likely to gain weight just by knowing me. And and that's like that's interesting enough, right? But it becomes more interesting because it, uh, it moves in more steps than just our relationship. So again, if, if I gain 10 pounds, nothing happens to you and you have a close friend who I've never met. That person, uh, I think it's 25% um, more likely to... really uh, strong, actually. Yes, to gain 10 pounds of weight. And it moves even one step further. So their friend, who you neither nor me has met, 10% more likely to gain weight. And that applies to uh, a lot of behaviors uh, that I've identified, like alcohol consumption, how you vote, even emotions. So they saw that in uh, uh, digital social networks, um, for instance, if uh, if you posted something on uh, online on Facebook or other social media and it was raining where you were, uh, you would probably post something a little bit more gloomy. Uh, and then I, I reading that, uh, if I would post something after that, but it's sunshine where I live, I would continue on that emotional path of being a little bit more gloomy. And they could actually track this <laughs> in their studies. So we think we are these like, well, I make my own decisions and I have 100% agency of all the decisions I make. And the more we look at it, that is definitely, definitely not true. So the really interesting question is like, if agency is a 100% scale, 
like 100% agency is like you're fully autonomous and separated and you do as you wish. And 0% is like everything's just happening and you're like a ping pong ball and nothing's happening. I do believe it's somewhere between one and 99. Mm-hmm. I, don't be, I don't think it's 0% from what I've seen, but I think it's much closer to zero than to 100. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think, and also what I've been thinking a lot about that study because I've known of it for a while and then I've also seen other statistics which say that in a in a human life on average you will interact with 80,000 individuals mm. those combined is really interesting because if you interact with 80,000 individuals in a lifetime and you have these three degrees of, of influence that means you as an individual can influence a lot of people. Yeah. I haven't done the, the full maths on it, mm-hmm. but that should end up being a really big number of mm-hmm. people that you, if you're aware of how you influence persons, you know, every person you meet, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a bus driver or, or your best friend, mm-hmm. if you're just aware of how you, what kind of energy you send out yeah. using, you know, all of the tools at hand, uh, your words, your body, all of these things, you can actually have a really strong impact mm-hmm. on the world. And I think that's, Um, what I'm working on now with a, um, a couple of others that we're soon ready to sort of uh, speak more openly about sort of builds on that insight that tr- having a positive impact on today's society and, and, and trying to create the change that is needed will most likely not come from one person, one idea uh, and one politician or Elon Musk. Mm. It will most likely come from a network mm. of just influence. Mm. And if, if we can just create a platform for that where you can start working on yourself and then working on how do I impact just the people around me. If enough people start doing that, we'll create massive impact, hopefully. Yeah, and uh, 29K, who I work closely together with and also self-leaders who I've been working with for many years uh, are doing exactly that. Um, And it all comes back to being present and being aware and uh, increasing your level of um, cognitive and spiritual complexity to make more... uh, to make choices that are more grounded and from a more aware standpoint. Mm. So instead of being on autopilot and just and repeating all the, time. the cultural code that we'll all be conditioned into and we're subject to becoming aware of that and making conscious decisions. So when you climb this um, ladder of uh, spiritual development, you realize more and more you're, you're much more embedded than you thought you were and your choices affect much more people than you thought you did. Uh, previously and also your choices resonate back onto you much more than you thought and then you realize holy shit i'm responsible for my actions onto others because i will uh, reap the rewards or um, pains of that so that's the whole developmental pathway yeah um so um that's a really dear subject and really important subject to i think um try to understand better and also to create the institutions needed the new institutions needed to facilitate that. Yeah. Because we're not taught that in school. Uh, we're hardly taught it in uh, organizations, just barely becoming, moving closer to that with Robert Keegan's uh, deliberately, deliberately developmental organizations kind of framework. Like how can you create more the foundations for growth, personal and spiritual growth in the workplace whilst contributing to the value creation in the organization. So there, there are starting to merge different tools to do so. But I mean, if we zoom out just for, for a second and we look at where the world is going right now, 
we have an exponential uh, uh, increase in complexity and technology. So our powers are becoming vastly more well powerful. Our tools are becoming vastly more powerful. But at the same time, our individual and collective sense-making is breaking down, something that Daniel Smachtenberger talks a lot about. So the, the collective wisdom basically is starting to fail. The old story of the separate self, functioning individual in an industrialized society and trust in institutions and democracy and science, that's starting to die. Yeah. And we have not yet built the new tools and institutions uh, on the scale required to, um, to catch the falling human or humanity and transition into new age. So we're in this uh, crossroads yeah. where we need to really level up and like, uh, I want to do my part, but I also want to inspire more people to do their part. And then we're back in the health department yeah. because you cannot uh, move the world into a more healthy place if you have not taken care of yourself first. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's go there. Um, just to your point about the institutions, because I see the same thing. It, it seems like we should just like completely invert what we're doing now. Because now it seems, in my experience, it's really that. And I see that around me as well, that, you know, you're, you're born, you get introduced to society, you go to school and they teach you a lot of stuff. Uh, and then when you're our age, if you're lucky, if you've lived a privileged life, then you can start actually figuring out like the core of yourself like what am i really mm -hmm. and how 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 does this thing work when i interact with other people that should be the foundation like the first thing like okay what happens if <laughs> if you communicate something to this person here that should be like kindergarten stuff like what happens and look at how you know the emotions are spreading in the room like why are we aren't we starting there yeah. <laughs> and instead we're starting with like counting and and reading and all that's important but that's not the foundation of being a human being no i i i couldn't agree more i mean we have a 18th and 19th century uh worldview and institutions and it's built on those kinds of values and the values are um you uh you are an individual you should self-actualize you can choose the work you want and make career and become successful and happy yeah and then you'll be fulfilled, right? And everything in society is pointing towards that. And our whole educational system uh, is pushing you in that direction. And it still is. But what's happened, especially in Sweden and Scandinavia, and a lot of other developed countries, especially in the cities, we're seeing that there's been a value shift that is very uh, significant right now. And there's a study, like I think it's one of the biggest studies in the world with over 150,000 respondents called the World Value Survey, where they look at what kind of values do the current generation have uh, um, in different parts of the world, but also uh, different demographics, demographics in, uh, in the same place. And what we're seeing is that, especially in Sweden, Scandinavia, but also uh, regardless of where you're born in the world, the younger generation, the millennials and Generation Z, they don't value the same things anymore. They are starting to wonder, who am I in relationship to others and how can I contribute more? And I mean, they are emerging and that's the, like, I'm an optimist as we talked about before. And this is the, one of the biggest hopes I can feel. It's like, there is a generation growing up now that are questioning the old narrative so strongly that I think it needs to change. Yeah, it will so, change. 
it has the to question change. is will it change fast enough yeah um and um um yeah so we need to build the institutions the new institutions more quickly and i think uh, i mean an intermediary step uh is to uh retrofit a lot of uh, this new knowledge in what uh, constitutes a life that is high in well-being and meaningfulness that we actually find now in science retrofit that into the educational system and into organizations and into politics maybe that's the, the difficult one really difficult but still and for instance self-leaders uh, worked for many years and still does with a course in self-leadership at Stockholm School of Economics, which is one of the highest rated courses uh, uh, at the institution. And I think that's a really clear signal that there is a need here that is not being fulfilled and yeah. we need more of it. We need to scale it. We need to make I think it's, I mean, there's also this very clear analogy. I, I see it now all the time, uh, like with your experience of, of of getting burned out where the world is getting burned out that's what's happening right now <laughs> and, i get the goosebumps when you yeah, say that yeah that's exactly it's what's happening exactly what's happening and then you need to take the step because the world is stuck in the, in the narrative uh you know it's, it's all of, all the individuals being stuck in it and collectively we're the world stuck in that narrative you know heading towards uh, burnout and in order to to find the, the mindfulness and, and sort of the way back of of, of being a world yeah. we need to take the, the the rational intermediary step first where we're like okay but prove it to me within the con within the current framework like yeah we trust science within this framework great let's use that then to start you know edging our way into a new yeah. new version i'm 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 sure this will happen. It's all about how painful will that burnout be. Yeah. I don't think humanity will die, but I think I'm 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 still seeing a wall of pain <laughs> coming towards us. Yeah. And um I'm seeing that too and it's very painful to see it. But uh I'm also probably in denial a lot. I mean even being yeah. aware of these things like what's going to happen? How painful is it going to get? Uh and we're entering a time, I think there was uh, Antonio Gramsci, who was a sociologist and philosopher who coined the term, the old world is dying and a new one has yet to be born. Now is the time for monsters. Yeah. I think we're seeing a bunch of monsters I right am. now. Like Donald <laughs> Trump is the president of the United States. Um, he's a reality TV host and a billionaire. Uh, there are weird things happening and everybody's trying to make sense of it, but our collective sense-making systems are breaking down. So it's we're worsening the problem. But I would like to, to change that quote because I see an opportunity here. So the herbal is dying, a new one has yet to be born, and now it's time for wonders. There is a choice here to actually start making the change that is needed. But again, we need to do the change home first, yeah. as Jordan Peterson says. Yeah. Clean up your own house first. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you can't be a trustworthy uh, like uh, contributor to, to this new society who nobody knows what it looks like. Uh, everybody wants to project their own ideas onto that, right? But we're trying to figure it out and we need to do the work. Yeah. So now, health. That's a one way to, to clean up your own house. Yeah. Tell me about that. Regenerative health. Yeah, there are many different concepts that I can throw on this, uh, but regenerative health is a pretty good one, I think. And so I can start with me. Yeah, I think that's a good starting point. So I had the experience of burning out and coming back. That was one important milestone for me in my own pain and growth. Uh, another one was uh, five years ago when I did a nature quest. 
Uh, we go out in nature in the Swedish mountains. Uh, it's hosted by Natur Academy and oh, Jöran Genvi. Yeah. I met Jöran earlier today. Yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're in the same bubble. Yeah, we are. But he's great. He's, he's a role model of me and it draws on a lot of uh, indigenous wisdom as well. Um, and just spending four days in nature without any noise. No books, No, definitely no uh, smartphone. Uh, no other people and fasting for four days invited me to reconnect on a much deeper level than I had done before and where I really felt um, uh, vitality and connection with nature and inner nature in myself in a way I'd never done before and I've done this practice every year since so finding space for reflection is the other thing it's like if you meditate daily that's awesome if you set aside time for reflection if it's only for two hours a week or four days a year or however you wish that is like uh it's in scarcity today in this hyper connected uh, society right where we're always available and always uh, uh connected so uh that's that was- also sorry to interrupt but for me something that has worked surprisingly well it's not by choice mm-hmm. it's traffic jams <laughs> That usually raises the blood pressure. Uh, yeah, but for me, it's, it's now the other way around. Because since we moved, I now find myself in traffic jams mm-hmm. much more often because I, I, I go by car, which mm-hmm. I didn't do previously. And those are my moments mm-hmm. of reflection. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's good. Yeah, I'll take that one <laughs> with me. So that was uh, like the second stepping stone mm-hmm. uh, that propelled me even further. And the third one happened uh, really recently. Uh, for the past few years, I've had symptoms uh, where my my bowel and um, digestive system hasn't worked 100%, uh, to put it mildly, uh, and uh, in, in episodes. So most of the time it's worked, but I've had episodes where it didn't. So uh, I got a diagnosis uh, in May this year uh, that I had um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, more specifically Crohn's, which is an um, autoimmune disease where the the cells in or the the immune system attacks the the intestines and the the colon basically and i had to deal with that so my doctor was like you have to get this super strong medication and and i read the list with side effects and i was like i'm not doing that like it was like vastly increased my risk for cancer and it was like it was yeah so yeah so so i thought okay I'm going to try this myself. And if it doesn't work, I'll take the medicine. So for me, that was a very rational approach. I want to find what is true for me, but always having a fallback. And my doctor was, uh, well, he was a bit scared and he put me on, like I had a, even a, an a, like appointment in the calendar, like call us if you really need to. We have a, we'll, we'll uh, admit you uh, no matter what. I was like, okay, that's very generous of you. Um, maybe not realizing the extent of the, the risk I was about to embark on. So what I did is I, I changed f- going from being 80% a health nerd to 100% health nerd in like overnight. I actually reversed the symptoms in six weeks. Wow. Completely. And the symptoms, I don't want to go into them, but uh, I was at the toilet uh, often. <laughs> but uh, completely. So they went in with a camera before and after. Yeah. And after he was like, wow, six weeks. I've never seen this before. You are 99% recovered. Wow. Okay. Uh, so obvious question. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, I did like, I'm a, 
I think I have a, a slight tendency towards OCD and order, <laughs> uh, which is a great way. Actually, I've learned how to to do that and also uh, handle complexity and uncertainty. I don't know how the fuck I. Yeah, that's out. impressive. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, I haven't mastered it, but uh, to a large extent, it's working for me. But uh, the way I did is I, I I vacuumed the internet. Basically, it's like what works for most people, what doesn't, uh, both in what you eat and different supplements and how you exercise and other things you do. And a lot of things I did already, but some of the things were like next level. So, I mean, if I would give you the short list, yeah. it would probably be uh, cold showers. And it sounds like why, why cold showers? Uh, it has amazing effects on the immune system. Like my immune system was like over uh, aggressive. Where's the problem? We're gonna fight the enemy and then fighting the body, right? So it cooled down. Uh, no pun intended, <laughs> or actually pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so doing that every morning, that's one really big. Uh, I think. And I like, mean, evidence based, it's impossible to know exactly yeah. what works the best. But I think that one was the one of the biggest ones. And how long did you do the cold? Like how um, Shower every morning and then um, for one to three minutes, depending on the courage that morning. Yeah. <laughs> and ice cold, just going from steamy to ice cold in one second. Yeah. And then hating the, mo- the beginning of it and then actually loving the, the end of it. So helps that's being amazing. Swedish, I think. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing. Another thing is uh, intermittent fasting. So um, I do that still. So I'm on a 16 uh, to 8 uh, schedule. So which means that uh, a few days uh, a week or month, I eat everything I need within eight hours. So usually it's lunch around noon and then uh, it's dinner around at the latest eight o'clock. And then I fast for 16 hours. So not no night snack, uh, yeah. just fasting through my sleep and also skipping breakfast the next day. So no, 16 no. hours between the dinner and the lunch the next day. Cool. And you do this just a few days every month or like? Uh, well, I did it when I was, um, when I had just gotten my diagnosis, I did it almost every day, which means I have a very high metabolism. So, and I'm, I'm not the biggest guy in the room. So I had to eat a lot, <laughs> not to lose too much weight. Right. But uh, looking at the research, that's probably one of the most effective ways to uh, uh, restore health and to live longer and to fix all kinds of disease. So I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't recommend it to everyone or I can't point to the exact evidence, but it seems to fix most of Western uh, diseases, uh, including inflammatory diseases uh, or autoimmune diseases, the, which is the one I have. So I think that was a major contributor as well. So ice cold showers, fasting, and the third one is um, uh, another uh, role model of mine, Soki Choi, who has written a book about uh, gut health and the science on that. So basically eating pre and probiotic foods because the food the, the food we eat in Western culture is totally messed up. We're feeding the wrong gut bacteria. And that is probably one of the main drivers for autoimmune disease. Hmm. So feeding the right bacteria and reprogramming your gut microbiome uh, is the third one. So and what's some examples of, of food yeah. you should eat? So sauerkraut, kefir, which is fermented uh, uh, milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually didn't work for me, but for most people it does. Uh, and um, uh, kombucha, which is fermented tea. Uh, so a lot of fermented foods, basically. I mean, that's why they put uh, fizzles and carbon dioxide into sodas. 
because it mimics the, the sensation you get when you eat something that is originally healthy. So fermented food, we're supposed to eat it because it feeds the good microbiome. So we copy that and put it into soda and <laughs> stuff it with sugar instead. Like that's the complete opposite of what we should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So this whole episode of um, once again, becoming aware of if I want to create more magic in the world and push the world in a more healthy direction, I really need to care of myself first. There is no other way. If I don't have vibrant energy when I get out of bed in the morning, both physically and spiritually, like I have a high degree of motivation, then I won't be able to create the things I want to create together with others. It's impossible. The equation doesn't work. So healthy ecosystem, society, organizations, relationships starts with a healthy body and a healthy mind and healthy spirit. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then that holistic approach to it is, it's obviously needed. That's, and, and in, in beyond that, I guess you did some sort of workout as well, but maybe the food is actually sort of the first, yeah. the, the main thing. Yeah. When you look at, for instance, uh, overweight and obesity, there's this, uh, belief today that if you just exercise and work out, everything's going to be fine and you definitely become more healthy and you probably live longer and all of that. But the biggest uh, change actually comes from what you eat. That's the, the biggest change. If you're going to change one single thing, change the thing you eat. Um, so also on my short list, it's cut sugar completely. Don't eat anything over 5% uh, sugar per 100 grams, for instance. So that adds to it. But be very aware of what you put into your mouth. That's the shadow side of uh, the abundance of uh, food in our society is that everything's available. You can eat everything. But I realized that. Uh, I can't drink uh, cow's milk because that triggers probably uh, the autoimmune response because of the milk protein. At least that's the hypothesis. And I'm not gambling with that. Uh, I can't eat uh, grains. So oats, wheat, even corn, barley and rye. So most breads and beer even. I love beer, but I don't touch it because I've seen the inside of my colon and I know what it does to me. And that does not apply to everyone, of course but to an increasing amount of people. I mean, the, it's like burnout. It's increasing uh, in the world with autoimmune disease yeah. and uh, they're probably linked to what we're eating. Mm. So, uh, and also realize that it's not one recipe fits all. You have to experiment and find your own solution. Yeah. This works for me. Yeah. And, and it's potentially a good starting point for other people too. I think so. Yeah. I think like try to exclude things that are probably not good for you and see how that does to your uh, like bodily energy and your emotional energy. And it's a good, really good start. Yeah. And you see the effects really quickly. I need to, because I, I, I'm well aware of my sugar addiction. Uh, I need to start dealing with that. And I think, so I stopped drinking cow's milk a couple of months back completely. Mm -hmm. Not for... Um, it, it, it happened naturally because I, I drink primarily oat milk or oat drink, you're not, you know, for legal reasons. <laughs> you're not allowed to call it milk. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, oh. Uh, at least in Sweden. Mm. Uh, Arla has made sure that... Yeah, of course. Of course. It's, it's, it's laughable. Uh, uh, I'm going to call it oat milk. <laughs> People can sue me if they want to. Um, that happened for a number of reasons, but but just uh, how that industry is not it's not optimized to mm. to function. <laughs> um, 
but it's been fascinating to me since it was not it was not purely health reasons it was more just like planet reasons for me uh, but now after having done that for a couple of months i can't drink cow milk based on the taste so in sweden you know you grew up with milk most people do and i've always loved it and now i can't drink it it tastes really bad so now if, if I put cow's milk in tea, I can't drink that tea. Mm. So I think that also it shows how, how plastic the brain is. So like I've been taught to like cow milk. It's, it's not a natural thing. It's something that I grew up with. <laughs> yeah, I think there is a joke here. <laughs> like who looked at a cow's tit and said, I'm going to drink that? Yeah. Who was the first person? Who came up with that idea? I mean, it's uh, it's the breastfeeding of their uh, the calf. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and well, there's a joke. I'm not gonna moralize over that. If no, but it, but but with that, not even joking. Like, it then would rationally make more sense to have human breast milk mm-hmm. and and sell that in stores it instead of make cows. More sense, definitely. <laughs> so this is a really good example of what we're exploring in the book as well. Like this, the power of the story is so strong that you're more likely to believe that the story you've heard a million times is more true than what is actually true. Yeah. So the story of drinking human milk or dog's milk is so uh, appalling because it feels super weird. Right? Yeah. So we will never do it. But drinking cow's milk, that's perfectly rational <laughs> because everybody's always done it. <laughs> but it's the story. if you break it down and look at it rationally, if that's even possible, but let's just hypothesize then it makes no sense to drink company. <laughs> it really is. There's actually, there's a really cool YouTube clip. You can look it up. Um, uh, someone selling a new a brand of milk in the UK, I think. And it's called Barker's. And it's like, they're on the street, you know, like salespeople, hey, we like to taste the new milk. And they taste it. Oh, it's I, wonderful. Like, what is it? Oh, it's dog's milk. Oh, you mean it's milk for dogs? No, it's milk from dogs. <laughs> And people become super mad and angry. <laughs> I think one of them even throws the milk glass. Like, uh, because the story yeah. Yeah. doesn't fit with my story. A little side story here. But, yeah. uh, but that, that side story. It like, nails a lot of it. Yeah, but you can also take that side story and go, go really deep. Because mm-hmm. that, you know, everything is story, right? Our identities, how we perceive reality, it's all a story. And it's just on different levels. So one story is we drink cow's milk (laughs) and, uh, you know, we do all the things we do because that's what we do, because that's the story. That's, I have my story of who I am, but then I fit into this bigger story of what this society is. And in this society, we do this and this and that. And these things are forbidden. And this is the norm. We drink this. We don't drink this. Um, I think that's. Once again, when you when you start working with your own sort of spectator mode, when you're not the story, when you're just like experiencing the story and understanding mm-hmm. that's what's happening, mm-hmm. I'm experiencing the story, then you yeah. can actually start shifting the story yeah. because you can see that it's a story and yes. then you can actually start questioning parts of it that perhaps does not really make sense. Uh, yeah, this area is uh, super, super interesting. I mean... There is, uh, I mean, most people I would claim in society today are not aware of the stories yeah. they're embedded in, either personal or collective, right? Uh, where most people and most people, even me who have been working with myself for a long time, uh, oftentimes find myself in reactive uh, storytelling mode, right? So it's becoming increasingly aware of the stories we're embedded in is a super powerful tool, again, for decision making. Now we're back in meditation. Like if you 
see the map, you can choose where you go. So if you see the story, then you can choose how you want to use it. So if you look at where we are culturally right now in society, at least the societies that have moved the furthest in the collective cultural development, we're seeing that we're moving away from the industrialized story of there is one truth and we can find it and we should trust uh, scientists and politicians and uh, industry and profit is good and there is a rational individual. That story apparently is dying and we're calling this death post-modernity. So if the other industrial story is the modern story, this is the postmodern story. We've become uh, a pole and become very focused in being anti and deconstructing the stories because we're becoming aware that it's a story. And it's an awesome thing to do. But I think there is um, a dangerous thing in this where we might end up getting stuck in paradoxically a narrative that there are no true narratives. Mm-hmm. It becomes very nihilistic yeah. and it becomes very, uh, it's like the, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very dark and depressing in a sense. So we need to move past that into uh, what some people call integral or metamodern, where we see that there are stories and we have the power to create them. And again, like, how can we make this world more sacred? How can we make this story more sacred? And consciously craft the stories that create more happiness, well-being, connection, whatever values we aspire to, and doing so both individually. Like, how can I do that for me personally? But how can we do it together, right? So uh, I think that's the key issue for humanity right now, is uh, co-creating new stories. And it's maybe not even one story. Maybe it's a multitude of stories that coexist, right? and um, to some extent, it has to be. I also like moving that. in that direction. I think is very important. Yeah, and and then it's uh, the analogy with the map. Like once you s- see it's a map, then you first of all you have the choice to go wherever you want, but then you also have the choice to change the map mm-hmm. because it's still a map. It's not reality. You can sort of redraw it. I think also the I love the um, I I got it from Jed McKenna. Speaking of truth, there has to be truth. Uh, so if, you, if someone says there's no true narrative, then then for that to be true, that statement has to be true. Then the narrative, there are no true narratives, would be true, which means the statement is false. <laughs> so it's it's impossible to say yeah. there is no truth because then that statement would have to be true. So yeah. truth must exist. That is, the, I think, the best way to slap a postmodernist in the face. Yeah. <laughs> to say exactly that <laughs> for anyone want, feeling up for that Almost for doing that, that. <laughs> that's the way to do it yeah. <laughs> cool um well yeah we've been yeah we've been at it for a while here is there anything else that you feel like okay this is something i want to bring up this is something i'm passionate about well uh, i mean we we've only touched i mean from my opinion on the subject of, of health yeah it is like, what's the next level then yeah so i mean if you are unhealthy uh if you have a healthy body like the next level is to to understand how you can uh, also have a healthy spirit like why do i get up in the morning what's meaningful to me what are my values uh or how can i connect more and contribute in the world like those are deeply existential spiritual questions and what is my role in the world so that is also health yeah like creating the conditions for more of that kind of flow and energy on a spiritual level is super important next level is relationships 
like your personal uh, closest relationships, like your partner, your children, your parents, your closest friends. Like, what do I bring into those relationships? What kind of energy am I bringing in? Is it a lot of fear and anxiety and we can't do this mentality and win-lose? Or is it the opposite? Is it love and vulnerability and openness and win-win mentality? Uh, again, the more the energy can flow between people, the more healthy that system is. And I refer back to um, Daniel Siegel, who is a psychiatrist who uh, has a wonderful definition of the mind, which we can't, I probably don't have time to go into now. <laughs> but he says basically uh, that according to his research, everything is flows of energy and information and healthy systems have higher bandwidth of flow, basically. And that applies to a relationship as well. Uh, and you can lift it up to organizational level, which is where I work the most today uh, as a consultant, helping organizations to open up silos and create conditions for more uh, co-creation, self-organization, and removing the checkpoints in organizations. Yeah. And we call them managers, which build on a control paradigm. That is, if I don't control uh, my employees, they won't do their job. Whereas uh, what seems to be more true is that given the right conditions, people will be more creative if you don't control them. Again, with the caveat, if you give them the right conditions for that. So they need a toolbox for being self-organizing. So creating more flows in organizations, that's how we create a healthy organizations. And in order for that to work, you need, stepping back to the spiritual journey, you need healthy, integrated individuals who show up to work, who uh, are integrated in their personal values, who are uh, want to contribute and don't want to blame the manager or the like projecting onto the world everything that's wrong, but taking responsibility. And then we can move that up to the societal system, which uh, we've touched upon barely. Like, how do you create more flow between uh, people? And I think a good uh, measure of that today is trust. Like, and that applies to organizations and relationships and even with yourself, right? Um, do we trust each other? And uh, luckily, we've had a high level of trust in Sweden and Scandinavia for a long time. So we, we have the um, conditions are right to explore the next step in this. But we're still stuck with 19th century institutions. So uh, just to name drop uh, the company, or sorry, the, the party uh, initiative, uh, Initiativet, which uh, I was a co-founder of, which is uh, trying to map the territory and lead the way of a new way of creating politics, right? And you were involved in that yeah. uh, in the early stages as well. Uh, just prototyping a new way of creating trust uh, and development in society. And then, of course, the, the biggest system that we're embedded in that we have access to directly right now is the ecosystem. So stop externalizing uh, waste and start taking responsibility for the waste we're creating. Not because it's pretty or because we should or because it's hippie, but because it affects you directly more than you think. And we're starting to see the effects of that. So uh, this is the whole area of regenerative health, or to borrow another term from Art Brock, who is one of my uh, role models, uh, one of the founder of Metacurrency Project and Holochain, which is a third generation blockchain or even post blockchain technology, trying to map, understand, visualize uh, and um, create platforms and systems in order for these flows to uh, become more directed. So we can direct these flows on all of these levels and all on the ecosystem level as well. So more concretely, that could mean that we have sensors everywhere 
which can measure uh, the temperature and uh, the well-being of ecosystems and how that actually affects uh, human bodily health and how that interacts and we can do that on decentralized ledger that's like that's my wet dream like taking that yeah. and marrying that to personal health and then collective health and then creating a foundation for humanity to co-evolve uh, and be more healthy and from that standpoint I create more in the world yeah so I think and, the, and there's an interesting connection there first it's 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 really great to to hear that description because it once again shows the individual how important it is to do your own work in your own life on yourself you don't have to project you know i have to save the world and it feels impossible and you can get really depressed <laughs> by trying to fix everything just start start from within start with you your body your your mind yeah. and 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 your soul um and then also the um uh, there's an interesting uh let's not go in too much into that because it opens up an entirely new field but what what's happening in technology one way of looking at it is uh, technology um uh, connect the connection between humans and technology mm. where we've for a while now had all of these devices uh in our hands and in our pockets and now two movements are sort of happening at the same time one is that you know we've had wearables for uh, for a while so it's not just in our hands and our pockets it's on our wrists and you know we wear the technology and now it's starting to move inside the body so mm-hmm. you have trackers that can actually in real time track what's happening within you both physiologically and emotionally and yeah. all of that stuff and at the same time we start tracking more further out from ourselves in the environment mm. to your point like once those are connected mm. that would be really cool and then put on blockchain uh, for the trust yeah. and privacy aspects of it exactly and that's that's a key issue in this because i would that's a nightmare scenario for google or facebook or amazon or any of these data hogs to uh, own that data that's like then it's game over yeah for me yeah uh, we need to put it on a decentralized ledger where you give access to others to access your data anonymized uh, and you're in control of that data and then from that standpoint you co-create with others that's why we need this technology otherwise but that's also why this technology is coming up now that's like first my way of looking at it which which just rings so true is that okay we have these global issues it's not the first time we have global issues but we've never had these many and and these big issues Mm -hmm. before Uh, and at the same time we have a global network where we're connected (laughs) and where we can spread information instantly Mm -hmm. but we've been lacking trust Mm -hmm. and now that is starting to like the technology for it is rising so all the pieces of the puzzles are coming together but that doesn't mean which i think is important to stress that things will just happen automatically Mm -hmm. we still need to be the ones to activate it and put our energy and time into creating the solutions but i'm sure they will happen once again it's just about how how hard will the burnout hit how painful will it be before we get there yeah i think we need the experience and the pain uh, and again as you say we probably uh, the question is how much of it do we need without yeah. uh, crashing the whole thing uh, i personally hope uh, we can fare with less rather than more i think we all do yeah but i'm 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 but, confident there'll be a lot of pain yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think there's there's one one last subject or there are an infinite amount of subjects yeah, yeah. But one that i would like to touch upon which is often um 
like in the periphery a lot of this and i think it has to do with some of the history around it and that's the the spiritual part i mean if you if you say that in swedish it sounds super woo woo uh, in english it's a little bit more okay right but um spiritual without becoming weird metaphysical like what is the core of my existence and what is the core of reality and that kind of uh entry point i think is really important because i'm a tech nerd I love uh, talking about uh, Tesla and SpaceX and Elon Musk and all this exponential tech and Internet of Things and Holochain and all of that. I'm, it's like, I, it's my drug. <laughs> like, look at my Twitter feed and it's like only those things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I admit. But there is another side of it. And here I would really like to pay a tribute to Joran Genvig and, and the indigenous wisdom that is that there is thousands of years of wisdom of what is what is it to be human and to be alive and to be an agent in the world and from where does that come and it seems to be much much vastly much larger than our minds can Oof, can grapple it is right? so and i think somewhere along the way we will need to find a way to integrate these two because tech is a lot of i mean if you look at silicon valley in the tech world they are in a sense disconnected from nature and the spiritual side of things. And then we have this other community, which is super spiritual and embodied and very flowy and exploring all kinds of sides to consciousness and existence, right? From which my, where my girlfriend uh, is coming from a lot. And I see how these worlds need to connect with each other and integrate somehow. I don't know how, but like, there is some kind of spiritual tech emerging. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, it's, uh, I'm getting goosebumps. It's, it's not either or, it's both and more. Yeah. But I don't know how. Uh, but yeah, but it, it, like, I, I, it is happening. And it's happening, uh, it is happening in many ways. It's not, I don't think it's visible for a lot of people yet, but it's definitely happening. And, and in my personal journey, I've gone t- from, from being only, you know, tech, 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 tech. <laughs> uh, and, and now I'm going deep into shamanism and mm. ancient wisdom. Mm. And, and that has just arisen over the, the past couple of months. And it's all getting connected. That's just from my tiny viewpoint. But after that started, I now see it happening all over the place. So it's like, it is happening. That's the, that's the natural development. It's sort of like we've, we've had let's say nature has emotional wisdom or just like wisdom. And then, then our um, human brains have now developed a lot of rational know-how and knowledge. And that has just been the leading force for a while now in, in human society. And, and 3000 years ago, it was the other way around. It was all deep ceremony and, and shamans and like, you know, listening to nature. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, they both had their time and now it's time for them yeah. to connect. It's like, there's this idea in the tech community like, if we just invent the perfect tech and AI, we will solve all of the problems. Nope. I don't believe that. It will not happen like uh, that. And, and, th- and the other side is like in the spiritual communities, that's often like, but if everybody just dance barefoot, in ecstatic mm-hmm. dance and sit and meditate, we're going to solve it. And I don't believe that nope. either. <laughs> it's like, we have to integrate them and do more of both. Yeah. And I also get goosebumps because uh, there's a high degree of resonation and synchronicity in this now. Uh, my alter ego name that I named myself with is Neon Shaman. <laughs> because I, it's just for me. Like, and now I put it out into the world, but it's like, I, I love neon. Yeah. And like when I went to Burning Man, just biking around on Playa with all these LED lights everywhere lights. and crazy music and just disruptive. I love it. 
but also the deep shamanism that comes from like this depth of wisdom yes. like it's a never-ending like void right i'm just i love both yeah and i think we need to do more both that's uh, why we're sitting here <laughs> it's all synchronized it's it's beautiful I've, I've been having that conversation with many people the past couple of weeks because everything is just so synchronized right now once you start seeing it mm-hmm. it's really really clear yeah and 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 my burn was similar and like perhaps not as much neon focused even though i am w- always wearing lights but i spent my entire burn deep into shamanism yeah so mm. yeah want to hear more about that yeah that's that's uh for another conversation awesome but there'll, there'll be more on that on this podcast definitely okay super cool definitely super cool all right cool mm. so uh if people want to mm, hear more from you about you uh, about the book about the stuff that you're doing where can they find you um well i think the two most simplest things is you can either go to my website humanstories.se uh, where i have all my contact information or look me up on facebook uh, or linkedin that's a good thing and i also want to promote i'm doing a prototype now for a, a set oh, yeah. of guinea pigs <laughs> yeah if you want to be a guinea pig <laughs> if you want to be a guinea pig uh inbox me uh we're uh we're starting in early october in exploring this area of deep wealth or regenerative health uh, mostly from a personal perspective but we're going to learn from each other and co-create foundation for this amazing spiritual tech blockchain based uh, health on every system uh, going forward so if you want to be part of exploring that uh, just contact me and so I'll that will include me. taking cold showers and fasting uh, it might be that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean or if you want to if you uh, lead a company you want to be more self-organized until uh, I have a lot of experience and a lot of fuck ups I've done so I know what not to do <laughs> that's uh, at least equally if not even more important than knowing what the to more do. you learn the more you realize you know shit yeah true yeah. cool thank you so much thank for you for coming this, here this was uh, honestly super inspiring for me likewise yeah thank you for this thank you and to you guys listening i hope it was inspiring for you too as always reach out with thoughts questions emotions whatever suggestions you know and uh, you'll hear me again next week take care